0: Co-host Richie Schneider and a very special guest, former Western Michigan great quarterback Zach Terrell. Zach, thanks for joining us, man.
1: Thanks for having me, guys. And, uh,
0: you may know him uh, from their incredible run from 2013 to 2016, especially that 2016 season. Uh, but he had Kurt Soraka as his offensive coordinator for his four years at, or I guess you were there for five years, but your last four years at Western Michigan. Uh, the years that you, you started at quarterback. So who better to talk to about this offense and about Kirk Soraka than uh, one of his you know greatest pupils. So Zach, thanks again for for joining the pod. Um, let's just get right into it. So you guys, Western Michigan isn't known for like a football hotbed, but your guys like class there, your, your four years there, you guys produced a ton of NFL talent. What was it about, you know, Kirk Soraka and the rest of the coaching staff there that really developed you guys ready to, to hit the ground running at the next level?
1: Yeah, I definitely think it's a, a combination of a few different things. You know, obviously you have you have to have a head coach with vision and, and leadership. And P.J. Fleck is one of the best, in my opinion, at recruiting first and foremost, but also, you know, getting everybody to get all in on, on one particular vision. And uh, Coach Taraka was a, uh, a great at also articulating that same vision and following it up. And then um i mean there's a few things that are that i really respect about coach shiraka um there's a, there's things that in my opinion separate him he's you know adaptable with his his personnel which i think is incredible and is very difficult to do as an offensive coordinator um his fundamental and discipline and teaching and how he you know teaches the game and instructs and you know holds his players accountable is second to none Uh, I think that his uh, influence over an offense and their ability to control the ball, you know, time of possession is impressive. Uh, He preaches the ball as the program. And if you look at studies year in and year out, the most successful teams control the ball and they don't turn the ball over. And uh, those are the two things that he's the best at doing. And then, um, you know, he's become kind of a little bit of a guru in the RPO game, which is exciting and is obviously taken the college football game by storm. Um, and even a little bit more the pros now. So those are kind of like the highlights when I think of Coach Sharaka that really impressed me with him as an offensive coordinator. Um, obviously, there's a lot of other things, but I think just I mean I think the world of him, and I think you guys got a really really good offensive coordinator.
2: So so let's start from I guess from right from the beginning. Um, you committed and signed to Western Michigan as a, in the class of 2020 12, or 2012 2013. Obviously, a new regime comes in. What was that relationship like? How did he just start building it from the from the beginning? I guess.
1: So I think he, he did a great job of kind of, you know, peeling, peeling the onion back, right? And finding out where we were at a base level. And we were not good at all. At Western, our talent level was really, really bad. So he had to start all the way back, you know, at square one. And I think that's one thing that I really, really like about Coach Shiraka, is he doesn't, you know, there's no such thing as overcoaching, right? He's not going to leave a stone unturned. So he's going to make sure that the fundamentals are first and foremost and that's one thing that's often overlooked is a lot of these college coaches and you'd be surprised but they overlook the fundamentals and um you see that on the football field when you watch minnesota play the last few years i mean you notice that their fundamentals were second to none you know not a lot of turnovers not a lot of uh flags or penalties and that com- that a lot of that comes down to coaching um and it attention to detail He talks about it every single day, attention, detail, repetition. He believes in repping everything the right way over and over again, and so you can't possibly do it wrong in the heat of the battle. That's a direct quote from (laughs) Kirk Scirocco. He said it so many times, I can replay it back to you. So I think that's what he was really good at early on is identifying, you know, hey, where we're at and where we need to go in order to get where we needed to get to. And um, he's not going to put more on these young guys' plates or a lot of these players' plates until they're Mm -hmm. ready for it. And he's good at knowing when the right time to to give them more and continue to add. But that fundamentals and details that he that he preaches and how he operates is going to be critical for you guys' success as an offense. Sure.
0: So we have a very similar situation where, you know, we haven't had the most success with offense in a while Rutgers. And we also have a quarterback room that's very young. Obviously, when Soraka came into Western Michigan, you were coming off a redshirt season. So you're a redshirt freshman. So what was it like that, that first year under Soraka, that QB battle, and ultimately you ended up winning the job? So what was that like? How was he teaching all the different guys, and not trying to show favoritism, but also make sure the best guy got on the field?
1: Yeah, he was really good at that because I didn't start as the starter. Um, we had a fifth-year okay. senior who had played some games, who started that our first game versus Michigan State. And um, to be frank, I mean, he definitely he was the right man for the job. I, I did not win the job. Uh, going into the season. So, um, but he, I never felt like he overlooked any of the quarterbacks. Like he was always coaching. It wasn't like, hey, I'm just going to coach number one and forget about two, three, and four. He understands the um, importance of depth. And that's why we were so good in 16, was the depth aspect, right? so i think i would be really encouraged if i was a young player and getting an opportunity and maybe if you aren't the starter on day one he's still going to coach you and grow and develop and every year was a competition you know he brought in uh, joe flacco's younger brother for my last two years um you know we brought in a four-star kid the highest rated quarterback in mac history my sophomore year so constantly bringing in new talent so if you're not growing and developing that's when you should be worried, not worried about Coach Haraka, not you're know, coaching you up or not giving you the
2: opportunity. Can, can you talk a little bit more scheme-wise about what he kind of prefers? I know, obviously, at Minnesota, last year is like a run-heavy offense. Back in 2019, it was mm-hmm. a completely different-looking offense. Like You actually got to spend quite some time with him. What is his like most desirable scheme, I guess, or is it just based on personnel?
1: I mean, that's really hard to say because you've got you to look back even before me. If you look at some of his offenses mm-hmm. in Delaware – they were really diverse. Uh, Joe Flacco under center, drop back and launch the ball. Um, he had a pretty much all running quarterback before Joe, um, so he's had a he's had pretty much every style of quarterback. That's where I said at the beginning he's adaptable with personnel. I think he definitely wants to be in a uh, pos- wants to win the time of possession. I know for a fact that's what he wants to do. Um, he wants to run the ball. He wants to establish the run, but so does. I mean, so does every offense. I know in college football, you get a little bit pass happy with a lot of these offenses, but look at the most successful teams. They have an effective running game. And especially with if you guys do have a young uh, quarterback room, he's got to focus on the run because that takes a lot of pressure off these guys. And, um, you know, that's the key is establishing the line of scrimmage. And uh, that's why you see Minnesota win in the fourth quarter. That's why you saw our offense winning in the fourth quarter is the physicality. Um, but... You know, I don't know what your guy's offensive line outlook looks like, but that will be his first objective. Will be recruiting and building that offensive line because they're going to need that if to, to run the style of offense that I think mm-hmm. he would prefer. But um, like I said, he's very adaptable, so I wouldn't I, I wouldn't put it against. If you guys have a running quarterback and a, a bad offensive line, it wouldn't surprise me if he spread it out five wide and let the quarterback just run. I mean, he he can do it all, so I don't worry about that with. With uh, Coach Soraka and his arsenal of offense,
0: yeah, I mean he's definitely going to be, need to be creative because while we have improved at basically every position on offense the last few years, it's still not good enough to where we need to be in the Big Ten. And I think Shiano's addressed that, and there's no there's no ambiguity there. They know that it has to improve, and they've gotten a lot of young offensive linemen from the high school ranks and some transport portal guys. So we expect continued improvement. But let's talk about like what a what a quarterback's meeting is like with C- Coach Soraka. So does he kind of, like, run some plays up on a board, like, ask you what you like? Like, how does that offense kind of take shape, and how, how much do players have involvement with that creation of an offense here to here?
1: Uh, it's Kurt's show. Let's let's get no uh, – let's, <laughs> let's not beat around the bush. It's definitely his show, and he's earned it. You know, frankly, he's uh, um, he has done it at a high level now for a really long time. He got a bad shake at Penn State. Uh, That was not his fault, but he was the scapegoat for that, unfortunately. Um, You know, but he is one of the best offensive coordinators in the country. There's no doubt about it. He's proven it at multiple locations in places where offense was not important. Um, Nor, you know, Western's had a pretty good history of of offense, but, you know, he took it to a whole nother level. And then Minnesota, I mean, what he's able to to do with that team um, is impressive. So, You know, I think in in a meeting room, he definitely uh, commands the room. But what one thing that I love about him is he teaches. He's a teacher. You know, I think there's a difference between teaching and coaching. And teaching is where, like, he really will get down to the basics where, you know, he gets the guys up on the whiteboard on a consistent basis, and he's constantly challenging them. And uh, uh, that's one thing, even as a fifth-year senior, he was constantly challenging me. Now, he'll take it. He'll definitely take – um feedback from the players and he'll definitely ask you what you like and include you in decisions but um you know he is he's earned the right to to call the plays that he wants to call the call and i think he he would always say you know uh at the end of the day i'm going to be the one that gets fired if these plays don't work so i'm going to be yep. the one to call them so <laughs> i think that there's a lot of that but he he does uh you know you watch what tanner morgan was yep. able to do and he was uh basically an extension of the offense and and as an offensive coordinator on the field. And the same way as me is he teaches his, his offense so thoroughly and so well that you can't help, but become part of, you know, the solution, not the problem. And you become, you know, an offensive coordinator to where you're able to coach and teach just like he is. So um, I think that that's where they'll get to at some point. I know he will, um, or he'll do everything in his power to get you guys there. Um, Ultimately it's up to the players, but uh it'll be interesting to see you know he's he's getting older too so i think a lot of it has changed with the younger players from what i've heard um i know he let tanner do a lot more than he even let me do so um, i'm sure he's gotten better in that aspect so let's talk about your
0: personal story what were some some of the main things that kirk soraka as a coach really like helped you improve and get you to the level that you got in college where you were one of the best quarterbacks in the country by the time your senior year old around
1: Yeah, there's no doubt. I wouldn't have been able to achieve what I was able to do without Coach Sharaka. I would say, like in terms of talent scale, uh, mine was—I'm not nearly as talented as a lot of the guys you see playing on Saturdays and Sundays now. But the way that he's able to maximize what talent you do have and be able to form an offense around those talents is really impressive. Um, I'm definitely not a big arm guy. I'm not the fastest guy. I'm not the tallest. (laughs) I like to prefer myself as the king of the (laughs) trees, too short, too slow, you know, all those. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we were able to have a really effective offense built around me and my strengths, which is my brain. And, um, you know, we are a complex offense that was able to uh, run the ball pretty effectively. But, you know, I threw for over 12,000 yards in my career, which, um, I mean, there's only a handful of guys that were able to do that. Uh, but when I left, now there's a lot more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's yep. only continuing to be more guys. But when I was done, there wasn't a lot of guys with 12,000 yards passing. So um, you know, we definitely were multiple. But uh, he does, he's just so good at man at, at developing and uh, constantly teaching and coaching. But you definitely feel you know he's an East Coast guy, but you definitely feel the love from Coach haraka and you know that he loves and cares about you. And that's one of the most overlooked aspects of a coach. Is um you know, people think that you get yelled at and screamed at and you get you know coached hard on a consistent basis, but there's nobody that cares more than him. And uh and that's that's something that's really important and what what what's what makes him special and how he's able to pull the most out of me mm-hmm. for sure. So
2: you're obviously very fond of coach. Give me your best story about him. There's gotta be like one funny one or one serious one. You could you can do both <laughs> if you want.
1: Well, I gotta keep it PG. Oh, geez. Uh <laughs> You know he is an East Coast guy, so there's a four-letter word that's very involved in their English vocabulary. <laughs> but um, no, you know I can always tell when it was a when it was a special day for Coach Taraka, um, whether it was his birthday or um, some type of anniversary, because he would we would he would always randomly in the meeting be like, "Hey, let's go to Dairy," <laughs> and we never left the meeting room early ever, ever. You know we were always the first in, last mm-hmm. out all the time. But I knew if we were going to get some tasty treats or if he was chewing on a cigar, that it was some type of special (laughs) occasion. So uh, that's one thing uh, that I can uh, forewarn the future quarterbacks of. If you see him chewing on a cigar or if he tries to take you to get some type of savory sweet, you know.
0: Hey guys, unfortunately, we had a bit of a technical difficulty. We lost part of Zach's video feed. Um, So his video and audio the last portion of the the interview actually didn't upload. I'm not entirely sure what happened, but he was an awesome guest. He gave some really insightful answers, and I kind of wanted to to touch on the last two questions we asked him because I thought he gave fantastic answers to it. The first one was about designing an offense around players' strengths, and also dealing with you know how do you keep a ton of talented players happy because that Western Michigan team in 2015, 2016, they had a ton of NFL talent. They had three NFL receivers, they had three offensive tackles that went on to the NFL. They had a defense this outside of Soraka's, you know, wheelhouse, but they had a defense full of NFL players. And he, he gave a really nuanced answer here. He said that Kirk basically just does a really good job of getting to know players and processing information really well, seeing what guys can do on the practice field, kind of going through concepts with players and understanding what they can and can't handle. He's, he just basically said he has this innate sense for understanding what guys are good at, what they're not good at, you know, how to put those guys in advantageous situations. Um, Cause we kind of talked over and over and you've heard this from a lot of people about Kirk. He's just a guy who assesses his talent and then he designs offenses around that. Um, and Kirk just sounds like he's a really competent, really capable play caller. And he's just a very gifted offensive mind. Um, the second question we had was given that the landscape of the NCAA has changed so dramatically in the age of NIL and the transfer portal, basically what they did at Western Michigan in 2016, that couldn't really happen today because somebody would have, you know, people would have gotten tired of sitting on the bench. Um, he kind of highlighted how good the depth was at Western Michigan. That's one of the main reasons they were so successful and somebody would have gotten paid like Corey Davis probably wouldn't have played four years there. Um, he probably would have gotten you know, these multi-million dollar offers given how talented he was. And there was there's a ton of guys that probably would have gotten huge deals. Um, Zach was mentioning that it's funny that we asked that because his, one of his best friends from the team um, during his time there was uh, the Carolina Panthers offensive tackle, Taylor Moton, And he's one of the highest paid tackles in the NFL. He's the right tackle for the Carolina Panthers. He said they were having that exact same conversation that, you know, what the ha- if, if, you know, if they were on the team today, It couldn't have happened. There have been too many people who got poached. People would have left because they wanted to play more. It was just a different era, and it was only six, seven years ago, and the NCAA has changed so much. He also said he had a really cool anecdote that uh, after they won their bowl game in 2015, so his redshirt junior year, um, this was you know the first bowl game that Western Michigan had ever won. He you know had all these different records. He's going into his final year there. They had a, a really Really good team for 2016, but his dad sat him down and he said, "Listen, here's all your offers. Here's all the coaches that have contacted us. People were trying power five teams. He said he could have probably went anywhere he wanted to in the country. He had so many schools that were pre-recruiting him uh, because he, it was only grad transfers at that time, and he had graduated in three and a half years, and people were." Yeah, you know, a bunch of teams were trying to get him to come to their program, and be their qu- starting quarterback for their, his final year. He had no interest in that. He wanted to stick with his team because he knew how good of a team he had in 2016. But I just thought that was wild that, you know, this is pre transfer portal. This is pre NIL. We always knew that college football is a shady business, but, uh, he didn't announce he wanted to transfer. He didn't have any interest in doing it, but schools were beating down his door to come play quarterback for them. So, uh, it's unfortunate that we couldn't get Zach directly for that, those final questions, but he was a fantastic guest. Um, hope to have him on again in the future because he was just amazing. Um, but guys, thank you so much once again for listening. Uh, this has been another edition of the Night Report Podcast I'm signing off.